Hello and welcome to episode 120 of the Worldwide Shelf podcast. It's your host Matt back again recording another pod twice, two pods in the space of two hours um, dedicated just for you guys and I am joined by a new guest, not Wayne. Wayne has just left the building and Alfred has now joined the building. Alfred, how are you doing my friend? Uh, Matt, I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy about Chelsea's win against Crystal Palace and just hoping that we can keep it going. And I hope you're good as well. Yes, well, we yeah, we can finally... We've waited till positive... We can be a bit positive on this channel um, to talk about it. But we will talk about what's been happening over the last few weeks because, as usual, uh, Chelsea being a Chelsea fan has to come with a health warning. If you've got any heart problems, any chest problems, if you've got a cold, don't support Chelsea because otherwise it can cause you serious health problems because it is stressful as hell. Um, but it is what it is and it, we wouldn't change it for the world um, yeah. in some way, but in other ways we would. Um, Alfred, obviously last time we were on the pod was uh, previewing the Bournemouth game, which was a success for us, but that has literally been, apart from the Palace game, our only piece of success, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. It has been so frustrating. You know, every time that we that we look like we might be making a bit of a a bit of a comeback, I can can get a run going. Nah, the next two or three games are crappy results. It's so so incredibly frustrating because we all know that we are much better than that, and we can do a lot better. Yeah, I mean, it's been absolute turmoil. I was, I was listening, uh, going through this morning, all the Chelsea YouTubers, just to see what, whose opinion, who was Potter in, who was Potter out, because naturally it is always that. It always does come down to that, unfortunately. And there's quite a few people now that are just get, the big YouTubers that have given up on Potter, um, which is a surprise, because well, not a surprise really, because unfortunately Chelsea fans, we're a bit privileged at the moment, but there you go. Um, but this is this is going to be a hard question to answer because I don't think anyone really knows what this question, this answer is. But what do you think is wrong with Chelsea FC at the moment? Well, you know, it's it's very clear that there's that, that there's a lot of things going against us. You know, like the, for example, a, a big part of it. I don't care what anybody says, is our injuries. We've got something like almost an entire squad worth of injuries, and most of them are players that can make quite a significant difference, you know. So, you know, people can laugh all they want and say Potter out, which is the stupidest thing I've ever heard, especially at this point. Um, but these are the facts. The man has just not... He, he plain and simply has not been able to work with all the players at his disposal and he's had to change things around all the time so that that's another problem because you know how, how can you how can you get um, some structure going in a team if you're always having to change because team, uh, players are always getting injured and things like that so for, for me that's the biggest thing but on top of that um, for whatever reason it's very clear that a lot of players just aren't motivated. They're just not, we all know that they're not as poor as a lot of them have been playing. These are quality players that we've got here, you know? So 
yeah, it's 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 a very very strange situation for sure. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, we're kind of on the same kind of wavelength in terms of opinion. Obviously, with I think we're both very much give Graham Potter the time um, because well, he has already been he's been here a matter of months. He's had to deal with more injuries than any other manager really has ever. I think I can quite comfortably say that I don't think any team has ever got this many injuries uh, in one go. Um, the only other team, unfortunately, God bless their soul, was the Man United team back in with the plane crash. But if it, if it takes us that far, far back to go to a team that's had more injuries uh, and problems with a team, then that just shows something. Um, but... We, we we have you can't as a manager find a sense of cohesion when you've got you've never had a full squad you've never even had close to a full squad for a, such a long period of time plus you've got players that are that don't want to play for the club you've got players that are simply not good enough for the club and haven't been good enough for the club um and plus you've got the after effects of what has been the sanctions that put our club back two or three months at least. Um, you've got the, the, the aftershocks of what has been mismanagement from the previous board for four to five years. Um, it's no surprise that there is a tumble. And I, I said in the summer, and um, a lot of people um, were quite annoyed at how pessimistic I was about this season, but I said we'd have to go through a struggle of a season. Um, and we might not get top four. Obviously, we are tenth, which I was discussing to Wayne a little bit before off stream. Um, yes, tenth does sound bad, but we're only ten points off top four, which a good run of games and a poor run of games from the other sides can easily t- change. Um, there are teams like Brighton and Fulham that won't keep this momentum up completely, so we can pass them and. When I say we're 10 points off fourth, people are saying Man United and Newcastle are in a title race. So technically, we're 10 points off the title race. So it's in, in reality, we've got to think about it, not just in terms of position, but look at the overall teams. Um, I think one thing that people are not really speaking about too often um, is looking at how the Premier League has bunched up, how the quality of the Premier League has improved over the last couple of seasons. Um you, I think this is the first Premier League in a, in a while that there is no team that is the whooping boys anymore. There's no team that you look at, um, you go and that's an easy win. Every team is hard. Every team has quality players. I mean, look, at even Palace yesterday, we beat Palace and Palace weren't the best on the day, but they had quality players there. Lise, they have Eze, Sahar. Uh, Gerhi at the back with Anderson, they're good defenders. You've got Geiter, who's quite a good goalkeeper. Um, you've got Tyreek Mitchell, who's in the England team. Um, you've got good players. You've got, you've got Edouard, who was Celtic, was a, was a fantastic player for Celtic. He's, he's sitting on the bench for Palace because he can't get games. So there are good depth squads all around now. Brighton, Jafullams, they all look very good. Um so it's much more bunched up compared to it used to be. Everyone's got monies. It's not just Chelsea with the multi-million pound owners anymore. Everyone is a multi-million pound owner. You've got two or three clubs now that 
have more money than Chelsea now, a lot more money than Chelsea. Newcastle and Man City blow us out of the water in terms of money, technically, in terms of in their bank accounts. Um, so it's it's not it's not the same game as it used to be back in the mid two thousands, where fourth place wasn't fifth place wasn't acceptable because there was only three good teams. Now there are about when people talk about top four, it went to the top six. Now I think it's a top eight, top nine. I mean, you've got Liverpool who are in the same position as us, or above us by one position, but they're in the same realm as us. Yet it's only Chelsea that get talked about about manager seconds. There's not been a whisper. And even talk, I was listening to Talk Sport on the way to work. Um, I remember last week there was a whole discussion of whether you put her in, put her out, shake it all about. This morning with Klopp, nothing. Absolutely nothing about there was talks about old Klopp's injuries and Klopp's some of Klopp's players not getting back to their best or excuse after excuse after excuse, but none of them led to the question of Klopp being sacked. So I think there needs to be some perspective, and then I think there needs to be a change in culture of these of Chelsea fans because I think there are some that are skeptical. And I think they're right to be skeptical on certain things. The Potter's not perfect. Potter has made a lot of mistakes as well. Um, don't get me wrong, but it's it's such a fucked up situation. To, excuse my French, that um, you, you can't you can't no one no one manager is going to change this. Um, it's been a problem that's been rotting in our club for a long while, and we've been treading water, uh, and unfortunately we've, we've we're sinking. Uh, and we just need to find out how to swim and swim back up. Um, I, I think the idea to change that is to change the culture of the club, which starts with bringing in a new set of players, bringing a new set of style, and really changing this football club, and not just tinkering, tinkering, tinkering around the edges like we have done in recent weeks. Um, Alfred, what, what do you, what do you think of some of the fans that are very quick to judge on Potter? straight away in terms of straight away Potter out? Oh, look, I think I think it's important to remember, you know, anybody that gets really frustrated by these sort of things, and don't get me wrong, it's very easy to, but I think we just have to remember that there's a lot of different kinds of fans out there. You know, there's fans that, you know, aren't really fans, they just, they, they use Chelsea on FIFA and maybe watch a game every couple of months. There's, there's, you know, fans that maybe do watch games, but they're 10 years old and then come on Twitter and pretend like they, like they know everything, you know, and when they don't know, obviously, very clearly don't know anything. Um, so that's that's just one thing to be aware of because well I, I refuse to believe that a lot of these people are full grown adults with functioning brains with some of the absolute shit that they that they say that there's just no way there's got to be a mixture of kids or people there that just hardly ever watch games or just in general have no idea about football because you cannot. You cannot understand football and and say some of the things that people say. It, it just can't. 
yeah, I think it's a struggle um, with fans. I think obviously every fan has their own opinion and they have a right to their own opinion. But I think there are some potter out people that I can I can listen to them and go, yeah, do you know what? You're wrong on your opinion, but you have a couple. You have some good points, and we're kind of on the same wavelength of certain things. And then there are some that I'm just I cannot understand any logic of what their opinion is. Um, and sometimes I just think, are you actually just a troll or joke? Because there is no logic in the meaning of it. And unfortunately, these are quite a lot of them people. Um, but if we were to look at it. Within it with devil's advocate, um, are there things that Alfred you can see from what some of these Potter out people say that you can sympathize and understand? I can only think of one thing, but even but even that it's just too early, it's simply just way too early. We the guy has just <laughs> we we haven't even I don't even think we've reached half a season yet. How can you say Potter out after half a season? It's ridiculous. But anyway, that the one thing um, that I would say is, like you mentioned earlier, he's not perfect. He does do some mistakes, which for me is, you know, a very, very clear and very wrong one that can cost you big time, is playing players that don't deserve to play because they're underperforming or they have shit attitudes or whatever the reason may, may be, there are just some players that should not be playing. You know, that, that's, that's my thing, you know, like, for example, I'm very frustrated beyond belief that Aubameyang doesn't get more of a go. When's the last time that he started a game, if you don't? Because I don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's been, it was certainly before Christmas, before World Cup, um, did he start the Arsenal game? Yes, he did, and that's that's a prime example of of why he should be starting more because he actually gets himself into good positions. People people don't want to understand that; they just want to say uh, that simply because he hasn't scored goals, that he's been terrible, and he should be sold. Like, are you kidding me? If some of the players around him had more vision, he would have more goals. I honestly believe that. Against Arsenal, he probably could have had a hat-trick or at the very least, he could have scored two because I can remember there were at least definitely two situations where the man was in tapping positions right in front of goal, but I'm pretty sure Havertz it was twice that that didn't pass to him and when your players around you refuse to pass to you for whatever reason or just don't have the you know don't have that kind of vision to to pass to you uh, or and see where when a player is in a position where you can where you can score a goal or they're just greedy or whatever it is what can you do and who can blame the man for being frustrated you know but it's ridiculous to say that he should be sold when he doesn't even get to play much. It's just stupid. Yeah, I, I just 
with Aubameyang, I'm this. I, I haven't defended many players over this time um, because most of them don't deserve to have the shirt at all. Um, I don't. I think some of them don't deserve to have Premier League shirts in general. Um, but there are there, there are things that I've heard about that people keep saying. I've heard things of Aubameyang is the problem in the dressing room. Aubameyang's done this. Aubameyang's done that. To my accord, not, Aubameyang actually hasn't done anything wrong in that respect. And I see a lot of people going, oh, but because he was a problem in Arteta's dressing room, that automatically means he's a problem in Potter's dressing room. Um, which I think is ludicrous because, yes, it is. Aubameyang had problems with Arteta, but maybe that was just problems with Arteta in general. Um, that doesn't mean you automatically have problems with Potter. It just meant that at that, that, that time, that situation went sour. And it was time for him to move. Um, the perfect one example as well is Tro- uh, Leonardo Trostile at the moment. Um, De Zerbi's come out and said, uh, basically said that his attitude stinks and he's not going to play again. Then um, Trostile will probably leave this month from uh, Brighton. Um, which is why that's, that's not always the best thing to do. And some of the things Trostile has done is not great. But what people are forgetting is that in, if you read the whole story, um, De Zerbi and most of the Brighton management haven't spoken to him in three or four weeks since they come back from the World Cup. He, Brighton also promised that they'd talk to him about his contract before the World, before and during the World Cup, which neither happened. So there's been a lot of wrongs on that side as well, but oh, it's automatically Trostard that's the problem. And I think people fail to look at the wider story and these sort of things. So I, I don't... There's no reason. The only thing that I could think Aubameyang might cause a bit of trouble or might be a bit unhappy about is that he was promised to play with Tuchel, probably, and that's probably why he come. Um, and now he's had to get used to a new manager. But I don't think he's not never showed any act of laziness. He's never showed any act of I can't be bothered. As you said, I watched that Man City game where uh, Aubameyang was on for most of the game. And he didn't get many touches and people moan about. But he kept making the runs and making the runs and making the runs. And no one picked him up. And of course, there was a couple of times he threw up his arms in a bit of frustration. But I think you, I think anyone, one of us would if we had four, five, six runs that we made that were never uh, given out or never um, passed to. Um, and that's always been, I think that's been the problem with most of our strikers. Um, and this is where the predominant problem comes with Chelsea is... The midfield is simply not good enough in the defensive way and in the attacking way. I think that defenders, you, the midfield doesn't give enough protection as a defensive screen. And that's usually what the defensive midfielder will normally do. Um, and what it causes as a centre-back is you to get caught into positions where whatever decision you choose to do, whether you choose to sit or whether you choose to go, it, you're more likely going to make the wrong decision because... You're caught, in, you're caught between a rock and a hard place. And unless you're a Thiago Silva who has impeccable vision, you're going to get caught out by that. And that's why Rudiger was caught out by that. Christensen was caught out by that. Chalabar is caught out by that. Kulabali is caught out like that. Even Badiashile yesterday was good in, in, in most parts, but even he can be a bit rash. I think we'll get caught out by these situations because I think you need that sort of defensive midfielder, which we don't have. We have Jorginho that gets caught through transitions and gets cut through like butter, through, like knife through butter. Um, 
and then in terms of the creative aspect there's no one to create so then the front three have to do it for themselves and no world-class player can apart from a Messi and a Mbappe can do it for themselves if you had Haaland in this team right now I guarantee he's scoring half the goals of what he's got right now because Haaland still relies on service and he wouldn't get this service in this team well he's um, even up at Manchester City hasn't he yeah you know so there you go <laughs> and I mean it's 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 a problem of we haven't solved the midfield crisis and this is the one thing I, I get annoyed with the Potter out people a little bit because I, I think it's just all you do with sacking a manager is giving the players a clean slate and that's what always gets said and they've had enough clean slates these players but the problem is I have at the moment is the and this is quieting down now certain players are signed for the club but there was this automatic limp to go and say well, Bowley's rubbish, Vivelle's rubbish, Paul Wynn Stanley's rubbish, blah 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 all of them need to go out, they're useless, they've destroyed our club but these are the same people that let Marina, Bruce Buck and, all, and, them, and co absolutely ro- ro- make the club and this midfield rotten to the core they're the reason this is this is a problem. This midfield is a problem. Not Bowley, not Vivelle, not anyone else. It's them. They're the one that didn't buy a defensive midfielder apart from Bakayoko since 2017. And look how crap Bakayoko is. We still got him because he's that crap. Um, <laughs> but it, it, the the idea I had it is is you you've got a body right. You've got you've got the big muscly arms. You've got the big muscly legs. You've got perfect sporting condition in terms of your legs and arms but if you haven't got a brain or a heart that that's useless it's just for show and that's the problem our mid our midfield is the brain the heart and the soul of this team we're just like a zombie walking around looking for the ball but not really doing anything because we're just we're nothing we're nothing without the midfield the midfield makes the team tick and we don't have a midfield to do that i think every if if, if I think every midfielder, I would not, I would not hesitate if a bid come in, and it was a good enough bid for their value, I wouldn't hesitate in saying go. Not one. Not yeah, even Kovacic. Even even I don't I don't think Kovacic. Now now we talk about players that I don't that are not playing for managers. I think Kovacic is one of them players that is down tools. Fair enough. I think. And this is not this is not disrespecting the player because I think he is a good player for what he is. I still think he needs to improve at both ends of the boxes because um, I think that's where he suffers and that's where he's a bit limited in a way. But I feel he's got fed up with the short termism. I think he he I think he looks he looks like a player that wants a new challenge, and that's fine. I don't have a problem with Kovacic wanting a new challenge, but. If that is the case, then go. I, I, I say in the summer that maybe not now because it's January and you don't really want to lose someone like Kovacic in January. But if he's if he's not happy with the club completely, just say to the club in the summer, I I'd like to I'd like to look for a move if possible. And then I guarantee Topoli will go fine. Let's go. We'll find you a move. Get some money in for you and you go. I don't want players that are. I don't care how good you are. I don't want players that are here and not looking to be committed to this team 
and I just don't, I see from Kovacic's body language, I don't see someone that is committed to this team anymore. And that's just a personal opinion. I know KJ and that will be a bit angry with me of saying this, um, but this is not me talking about the player's ability. This is just talking about what I think his mindset is right now. Um, what do you think? No, that's fair. I agree. And I think, you know, we were saying earlier, I think that's the problem and the mentality of, uh, you know, quite a few of the players that are here. And obviously, uh, owner, you know, Todd Bowley knows that. And that's why we've started, you know, buying so many players and uh, looking like we're going to do a massive clear out. So, because it needs to be done. It's very clear. Yeah, I, I think it's, there is a clear out that needs to be done. Um, and obviously we've now um, put, um, we've now bought players in, uh, which we'll talk about in a second, um, that, have, that can change this team's fortunes around. Um, so hopefully that, that happens. But just one more thing on the Potter in, Potter out. Obviously... I'm pottering, but I'm not just someone that is pottering no matter what happens. Um, for you, and this is a question that I've been posed and I've tried to answer best I can. Uh, I just wanted to ask you, what is the red line for you in terms of Potter this season? Um, Position-wise, it could be team-wise. Um, is there anything that would change your mind in terms of Potter in, Potter out? Uh, look, I think, to be honest, I know we have a lot of injuries, but I still, I still feel like the team should be playing better than they are, okay? and I don't know quite exactly what is causing most performances to be so disgustingly bad, because they really are pathetic. I mean, even even teams in relegation probably put in more effort in in their games than we do most times. Um, but what I would say, I don't think this will happen, but I think if we end up, if we do end up in a, in a relegation battle and we finish, you know, somewhere just barely above relegation, then that's really, really fucking bad. And I think even with all the injuries that we've had and all that, we still, we still do have quality so if that were to happen then i do think that questions need to be asked i think that would be fair to say because we should not end up in that situation no matter what happens yeah i think if we're for me if we're out of the champions league in feb in in march from dortmund um and we're further down than what we are we're properly in that dogfight then that's when I think questions, well, that's when I think triggers need to be pulled. Um, but I still maintain that I don't see an option out there that is, because I don't, my thing is, I don't want to waste 60, 70 million in compensation that we'd have to pay Potter and his staff to go and get a sidestep option. For me, the only manager out there that is, available and good enough that's not really a sidestep is Zinedine Zidane but even then 
how proven is Zidane? Because all he's done is is manage a Real Madrid team, which is a fantastic team in general. And he's managed... And and the thing about a Real Madrid team, the hardest thing about being a Real Madrid manager is can you handle the dressing room and the egos? But Zidane is a Real Madrid legend. He And you know what Zidane has done in his career in terms of his highlights of uh, headbutts and stuff like that. Um, you don't you don't mess with Zidane, so I don't think any of these players would ever challenge Zidane um, in Real Madrid. So I, I don't think he's truly been tested in a dire team like Chelsea. Um, so I don't think there's anyone really that I look at and convinced I'll go, yeah, do you know what? That's a better option. That's a better project. Um, because if, I don't think Zidane is really a project. Zidane will be here for a couple of years and probably go. Um, I think other managers like Enrique, I don't think is good enough. I think he, like his only success has been with um, a, stri- a striking force of Messi, Neymar and Suarez, um, which I think anyone in there, any competent manager could manage quite well. Um, people talk about Pochettino and I laugh because one, I don't get Tottenham, simple as that. Uh, and not someone that is a bottle job like Pochettino. And then outside of that, there's no one else. Well, just a sec on that, Matt. I just, you know, I know, I know he never, I know he never won anything with Tottenham. But that's, you know, that that's not only his fault. You know, it's that's down to the team as well. And I still can't look past. You know, I cannot overlook the fact that he got that team. To a Champions League final, you know, he, uh, that's you, you can't say that's not pretty impressive, you know. Yeah, but I think he didn't do very well at PSG either, um, and it's a PSG team that you should, at minimum, you should be winning the league every year, and he didn't take him anywhere near the Champions League. Um, I think any manager can go on a Champions League run. Um, and they did with that Spurs team um, but I just don't see enough in Pochettino to do enough at Chelsea and be enough at Chelsea um, so I would rather just stick with stick with Potter and if in a year he, he has his signings and it's still not particularly working out we don't see the long term philosophy the way he wants to play then maybe we look at another option where what we will have to remember, there'll be less money to pay out as a compensation fee because you effectively paying out this compensation fee could be the difference between getting a midfielder and not getting a midfielder, which for me, who do I who would I prefer, a new manager or a new midfielder? A new midfielder any day of the week. Yeah. Every day of the week and another day on top. Um, so it is what it is, but... Um, we can't, well, we, we, I just think we just have to stick with him. I think doing stuff like chanting Roman Abramovich and Thomas Tuchel, while they were good people for the football club in overall, um, and I was the first person to be very, I was the first person to be very angry at um, Thomas Tuchel, as you guys know. I said I, I would not watch the football club again because I thought it was disgraceful. Um, I've calmed down from that, obviously. Um, and I do. If you if you're gonna ask me, was it a hind, was it a mistake to fire Tuchel? 
maybe, probably. I, I, I probably would have kept him. I don't know the ins and, ins and outs of the stuff behind the scenes, but just based on the football and what I do know from the behind the scenes, I would have kept him. But we've got Potter now. There's no point of reminiscing on Tuchel. Um, I don't like the people that are overly hyping, uh, overly pray, overly going for Thomas Tuchel to come back. And I don't like the people that are just slagging off Tuchel for the sake of slagging off Tuchel. Uh, I find I'm, Alfred, I don't know whether you're the same. I find I'm never in either camp in these sort of things. Are you? Well, I was just about to ask you, what would you think if, if Tuchel did come back? Let's say things weren't going well with Potter. Bowley had a conversation with Tuchel and decided that he wanted to hire him back. Look, I, I don't know if that would make a difference, to be honest. I don't know if anybody would make a difference. You could bring... Pep Guardiola in here, or whoever, whoever you want to use as an example of a good manager, and the situation within the team is just not good enough. I don't think for any manager to manage effectively. You know, I think I think things, other things, have to be done first. You know, like the fixing up the team, which is what we're doing. Yeah, exactly, and we'll go into that. Um, now, because obviously it's a good, it's a good discussion to talk about. Um, we have signed a fair few players in this window already. Um, it almost seems like we get a new signing every week at the moment, which um, I, I wish I'd got that under the old board. Um, but obviously, people will still be very unhappy uh, with this board for no reason, uh, which I find still bizarre. But um, we have signed a number of players, um, so we've signed. Uh, first, Dacho Fofana, striker from Molda. We've signed Benoit Badia-Shield from Monaco, centre-back for £35 million. Pounds. We've signed uh, Santos from Brazil um, for, I think, £12 million, And he's a central midfielder, obviously one for the future. And then we have now signed João Felix on a £15 million pound loan and Mikalo Mudrik on a £70 million pound upfront with £30 million add-on. Um, Alfred, are you happy with them signings? Um, what do you think of each one? Do you think that they're, they're, they're something to look at and go, right, here's a project, here's a focus, here's what we need to believe in? Or are you underwhelmed by any of these signings? No, to be honest, I'm just, I'm just so happy that we are, that we are doing things the, the way we are. Because, you know, we talked about the old board and what, and what they would have done and what we probably would have still been seeing under them is, you know, instead of getting, uh, instead of getting defenders like Kuli, you know, Koulibaly and Fofana and Kukarela, for example, we, <laughs> we we would have waited until the last day and ended up with Harry Maguire or something, you know. So I'm just I'm just really glad that things like that aren't aren't happening anymore, and we are. We are seeing uh, lots of action, and the one that I want to highlight highlight most at the moment is um, is Mudrik because you know, as I was saying in the stream the other day, although we, I personally don't know too much about him, uh, it speaks volumes that Mikel Arteta really wanted him in his team because he's a manager that like him or hate him, um, you know like Arsenal or hate Arsenal, they're, they're doing, they've been spot on with, with choosing who, who they want in their team. 
and their recruits and things like that. So um, that they've been doing something right. It's just gone really, really well for them. And obviously, Mikhail Arteta thought that he would be a, that Woodrick would be a, a good addition to this team. And that's you know at the moment and until until I can see more of him and see and see if he can justify his worth. That's very reassuring to me. So. Yeah, I, I think they are all good players. Um, in the, obviously, I, I, I know about more players than others. I mean, I don't really know too much about Santos, but I've had assurances from um, some Brazilian Chelsea fans, Jessica, uh, from uh, she's been on the channel a couple of times. She's uh, obviously South American and she knows a lot of the South American talents, as she said, Santos is one of the big ones uh, coming out of there. So I'm happy with that, with what she's explained to me about him. Um, and then Dacia Fofana, I don't know too much again about him, but um, from what I've heard and from what I've seen in the little spells, I do like that talk, sort of person, striker. He's my type of striker. So I, I'd like to see how he gets on. Again, he's one up one for the future. Uh, Benoit Badiashil is someone I've been following for a long, uh, 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 quite a while, and Chelsea have followed for quite a while. And I think he's a he's a fresh he's a fresh a breath of fresh air in respect of left-footed centre back finally at the club. Um, and I think he's someone that I think partners very well with Thiago Silva. I think potentially partners very well with, uh, uh, Wesley Fofana. Just in terms of the fact that centre-backs, especially when you're in a back four, it's not about how good your centre-backs are. Obviously, it's great if you have two world-class centre-backs, but it's about the partnership they have together and do they complement each other. The part, best centre-back partnerships are the ones that are that work together. Uh, John Terry and uh, Carvalho were the perfect example. John Terry was a world-class centre-back, but was still fairly young at the time. Carvalho was not, I wouldn't call him world-class in a player aspect, but was a good centre-back uh, and it was experienced at the time. And them together just gelled and bonded so much that they broke records together um, single-handedly alongside their uh, full-backs, of course. But they, it, it's, it's, them, it's them type of partnerships that I feel we haven't had at Chelsea for a while, so they could work. Um, and then you go through the forward players. I think Jao Felix and Madrid. I am happy because they are very good forwards in their technical ability and they will improve the forward line. But I do want my midfielder in first. I I do think as good as for, as good as Felix is, as good as Madrid is, and I'll say it as well, as good as Sterling is, because Sterling had this thing of he played very well at the start and has now drifted out a little bit. Um, I think they do suffer. They will. They do and will suffer if we don't change the midfield. Um, and that's where I feel like I'd, I'd, I'd want to see a midfielder come in. I'm not too. If we can get a right back in as well, I'd love that. But I understand that we may not have the money for both. But if we can get the money for one, we need to get a midfielder in. Um, Alfred, are you in the kind of same agreement to me about that we need a midfielder in this January? Yes, as soon as possible, <laughs> because we need we need more stability in this team. You know, both 
both in, in defending and, and attacking because we, we just we lack we, we, we lack that creativity in attack immensely and we and in def, you know defending we just get cut apart by everybody we play every single game we get worried about conceding equalizers or or you know last minute winners every single game particularly in the last say well in most games you know a lot of the you know majority of second halves but let's say in the last 20 to 25 minutes of most games it's heart attack fc the entire time like just mate we we get we get it's like we, we've got we've got absolutely no confidence it's like it no it's like nobody can uh it's like they're afraid to to do their jobs and they just and they just give up you know the the midfielders that, that we've got it's ridiculous yeah i think we as i've mentioned we, we have a midfield problem and i think it it needs fresh faces it hasn't had fresh faces for a while because we the, the old board, what they kept doing was they kept looking at the defence because the defence wasn't very good in terms of conceding a lot of goals. And then we'd also look at the forwards and go, well, we're not scoring a lot of goals. So we definitely need a striker each time. But they didn't look at what the, re- why, the reason of why these players were failing. And the reason why these players are failing is because you have a midfield that, one, again, doesn't gel well together. I don't think any of... I think Jorginho and Kovacic kind of play well together, but there's flaws in that partnership. Um, I don't, and, and I don't think Kante, Kovacic or Jorginho really fit well together. They're all different types of players. You don't really have anyone that creates, and you don't really have anyone that defends. You have too many. We have too many box-to-box midfielders, um, and not enough of the rest of the midfielders. And of course, there's not that you you don't you. You don't just have one person that creates. Everyone as a team creates as a as a as a team, but you do have someone that helps orchestrate that. And we don't have that orchestrator um, in the sense of the attacking sense. You have Jorginho that is a regista, but I don't think registers really work out as well in the Premier League. And I just think Jorginho has so many obvious flaws that it just doesn't really work out at all for the team. Um, so I'll be happy when we get a midfielder in. And judging from latest reports, and I would say latest reports, but me, our channel has known this for a long while and has been talking about it because we've had this certain journalist on uh, already that has been very much on this side of the, uh, the story. Um, the person that could likely come in is Moises Casido. Um, so the latest is from the one and only Ben Jacobs. Um, is that Chelsea are actively exploring uh, the signing of Moises Caicedo, although Brighton maintain that no offers have been uh, made. They've told Chelsea to pay 65 plus million um, in general, but they would expect 75 for a January sale. Um, Caicedo has new agents coming in on January the 18th, which is in two days' time as of time of recording, Um, but they haven't started yet, which means Chelsea will have to go to Brighton first. Um, a challenge will remain agreeing a fee um, and Brighton will want more than what they have uh, had agreed for Cucurella uh, so more than 62 million Um, Alfred do you think 
Caicedo is the type of midfielder that is the answer for us? Look, I, I think I think that we need to bring one in anyway, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but I, I I wouldn't mind. Obviously, also he's a he's a player that um, that Potter is is familiar with. You know, that's that's always a massive massive um, plus for me. And also also, you know, you got that manager player relationship there, and he would know how to use him. You know. Uh, in a, in a way that would benefit us, so you know, I think I think that would I think that would be a, a very good signing currently, at least if we if we don't look for for others in in the future. But even if we don't, you know, I think uh, I, I think he's a he'd be a good signing. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I've liked this. I've liked and watched this player for a while. Um, I think it was two years ago when we were still under, I think, Lampard that we were linked with Moise Caicedo um, and he did sign for Brighton in the end. Uh, Brighton beat us to his signature because Caicedo said he wanted game time and he'd get more game time at Brighton than Chelsea, which is fair enough. Uh, but he even at that point said that he respected Chelsea as a club. Um, and I said that time, I said he was going to be a success. Um, and now I can... Come with, I can come to the table with a bit more of an ego and say, well, yes, I was proven right. Uh, I've got the perfect transfer identity. I've got the perfect identity to identify players. Um, but no, no, I just got lucky with saying Caicedo was a good player. But um, I do think he's one of the two options we need. I think he, he, he solved some problems, but I think we do need another midfielder on top of that in the summer. But I don't expect that, obviously, now. So... I'd be happy if Ben Jacobs is right and we do look to get Casido. Um, hopefully we can get him on a good deal um, in terms of the add-ons. I think that's going to be the balance is agreeing a fee. How much does Brighton want up front? How much do they want add-ons? Um, but I'm confident Chelsea will try and get this done. Um, and then we can have a bit more of a functioning team. Um, going into kind of the games that we've, we just had, obviously we've got a little bit of time to talk about that uh, and then the... We have a prediction of the lineups uh, for Liverpool, um, or as it's being dubbed, El Shitico, uh, which yeah. I find funny. But um, what did you think of the Palace game um, yesterday? Is it strides forward, or is it was it a bit of a grind out result? Uh, overall, I think it's pretty much it was pretty much same same. You know um, that that like we have seen. I mean, there was there, there was a bit more effort. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that. You know, I, I did see. You know, we we had we, we did create quite a few chances, and we, you know, we could have we definitely could have had more goals in that game. But again, we didn't. You know, lack of finishing, uh, lack of. You know, quite a bit of a lack of organisation towards the end of the game. Again, we were left um, with, you know, having massive heart attacks for the for uh, the large part of the second half. I felt, you know, at least the last twenty minutes. Um, but yeah, look, we we grinded out the results. We got the win, and yeah, well, I suppose, you know, at the end of the day, even the best of teams, you see you see get wins like that. So, 
the main thing is to get the three points and just hope that we can improve from there. You know, I'm I'm hoping that that it was a performance that was, you know, that came, you know, with a fire, a bit of a fire under their ass because of, because of a a talk, you know, that things that things are going to change if if players don't improve. So I'm just hoping that we that we see more and more improvements as uh, as the other games come. Yeah, I think me there were positives to take. There were negatives to take. Um, there were some players that yes, they played well. Um, for example, your Gallagher's. I do think it was partially because he's playing against his old club, uh, and that was the only other game he's really played well in, uh, which was the reverse fixture where he scored. Um, I do think there. I think the positives I would like to really take from it is, uh, I think Badia Shield played really well. I thought Lewis Hall played okay. Um, I know people were criticising him, but I think he's an 18-year-old and he's got. He's going to have to learn some stuff. He's not finished article. You don't expect him to be at 18. So I think he's got stuff to learn, but I see the promise in him um, to stay in the team. Um, I thought um, Havertz was a good goal, but he missed two other good headers that should have scored. Um, so I'm not. I, I'm just hoping he can be a bit more consistent with his goals um, before I say that Havertz is back or whatever. Um, Definitely. I, I do think it was it, it's, it, it's something to build on now. So now I, I hope we go into the Liverpool game. Obviously, Liverpool are not the strongest team in the world at the moment. They're, they're, they're going through a crisis much like we are. Um, and I think we can get a result. I don't think Liverpool, I think, when we played on last year, uh, for the, all the times, I know we didn't get results, but it was very uh, unlucky with decisions and other stuff that happened for our own backs. Um, but I think I wasn't scared of Liverpool. I'm not scared of Liverpool right now. Um, and I think if Mudrick can come in and play well, um, if we can get the right balance and the right team, I think we can potentially nick a result. And again, I, I don't, if we have to nick a result against Liverpool, I'm not, I don't mind. If we can get the three points, the three points is the three points. That's all that matters uh, at the moment. And um, if we can see a bit of philosophy and a little bit of style after that, then that's great. Um, we get the midfielders in, we get some of our players back, and then we can create a good team uh, and build from that. But we can only do that when, when when we've got our players back and when we've got the right players in, the right players out. Um, in terms of early lineup and an early prediction, obviously we don't know any injury news. Uh, I will presume that no one else is injured or fit back yet. Um, but what 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 type of type of lineup would you like to see against Liverpool? Um, what 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 do you mean? What do you mean? To, like which which players or? Yeah, who who would you like to see start for uh, Liverpool game? Well, do, do you think that we should put Woodrick straight in? <laughs> I think that looking at our attack, I don't see why not. Um, because it is, we need something in that attack. And I think Mudrick, like Felix did um, when he comes straight in, Felix brought that kind of dynamism to our attack and something different. Um, I don't really want to play with Havertz, Mount and Ziyech all together again. I think Ziyech did play well. 
uh, and maybe I'd potentially give him another game because he played very well. Um, I'd like to see Carney play, um, but I'd, I'd also like to see Mudrick play. And I think Havertz, do you play Havertz up front? Do you play Bamming up front? I think I know what Potter will do, but I know what I will do as well. Yeah, I, I would. I really hope that we we give Aubameyang a go. You know, it's like I feel like it's the kind of game that he would be really up for. You know, a good chance for him to um, to make a more of a statement in in Chelsea as well. So I just, oh, I'd absolutely love to see it. I really hope we do. I can't believe Felix is suspended. Oh man, that would have been so exciting too. Yeah, I, I. I, I think it's very annoying, but it is what it is. Unfortunately, I, I don't. I don't think there's anything we can do um, about that. Unfortunately. Um, so in terms of my lineup, I'll let you decide what you think of this. But I, I would go with. I think Kepa's going to stay in goal. I don't think Salim is going to come in. I would yeah. play with Lewis Hall, Baddy Shield, Silver, and Chalaber again. I think that's a good enough back four. I don't want to see Aspilicueta against. Um, Liverpool's attack at all, so I'd, I'd rather keep Chalaba in the right back position. Um, reluctantly, I will go with Jorginho just because there is no one else. I'd rather play Zakaria if he was fit, but he's not fit. The other two midfielders I would go with is Kovacic and Chukwemeka. Um, and then my front three would be Mudrik, Aziesh slash Mount. I'm not decided on that completely yet. Um, and then Abami out front. Oh, that's that's surprising. Ziyech or or Mount. Well, I, I, if I was to play Mount, I would potentially drop him into where Carney is and put Carney on the right. But I'm not sure. Uh, it, it depends on how that figures out. I'd have to. That I'd have, I'd have to have a little bit more time to think about that. Okay. Is that your front three again? Sorry. So if if I was to stick Ziyech in, it would be Ziyech, Abamyang, and Madrid. Ziyech, Aubameyang, and Mudrik. Okay. So you'd have, you'd have, effectively, you'd have the diamondism runs from Mudrik, you'd have the creativity of Ziyech to hopefully pick out the Aubameyang run, at least. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair, to be honest. Look, that, that's fair. I think, um, look, I know there's all these things about Ziyech, about how he may, you know, he doesn't want to be here and all that sort of thing, you know, but for me personally, when he's when he's played, um, people can say what they want, but I, I've, I personally think that he has actually delivered some freaking dynamite crosses. You know, and I, I think I honestly think that if he got to play more, um, you know, he'd be happier and be and be more effective. So I I agree. I don't think it would be a bad idea to have that creativity there. Oh, don't get me wrong. Uh, if, if, uh, once you get once an offer comes in, he's one of the first out the door for me. But while we've got <laughs> while we've got him, yeah. and he's had a good he's, he had a good game last game, we might as well use him. Um, and with the injuries, we've got no one else. I'd much rather play Felix. I'd much rather play Sterling. I'd much rather play other players. But unfortunately, we don't have them. Um, but it is what it is. Before we finish, uh, and we do have to go very soon, unfortunately. Um, what is what be your prediction for the game? Scoreline. 
Oh, you know, we unfortunately we don't, you know, we don't score a lot, but Liverpool are struggling at the moment as well, everywhere. Um, but I, I actually think that we could get a 2 1 win. I'm going to say 2 1 Chelsea. I am going, I was actually going to say uh, 2 1 as well. Um, I think we'll score first, Liverpool will score second. We'll be under the cops, and then I think um, we'll get that winning goal just to p- push us through and give us a little bit of ease going into the next game against, uh, I think it's Fulham again, isn't it? Uh, I think so, yes. Which will be interesting to go and try and re, re, re-sew some up some new, new wounds. But there you go. Um, so let's hope we do get the results, then we can continue talking a bit more positively about the club. Uh, rather than negatively. Um, but we do have to go because I have to get back to work, unfortunately. It is what it is, working days. You've got to grind and grind and grind. Um, but thank you, Alfred, for coming on once again. No worries, Matt. Well, it's been a pleasure, as always. Thank you for having me. No worries. And as I said in the last pod with Wayne, we have got some new exciting stuff coming out. The website, merch, and more and more stuff coming out very soon. So make sure you check us out in the next few weeks. Check us out on Spotify. Check us out on Apple Podcast. Um, we're always on them platforms. We're going to try and bring out some more pods because now we can put a little bit more attention into the pods rather than other things and back behind the scenes. But thank you all for listening. Um, up Chelsea. This is Matt. This is Alfred signing out. <laughs>